This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 2nd, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The growing centralization in the criminal law poses threats to your liberty in ways you probably can't see. Harvey Silverglade, author of the new book Three Felonies a Day, believes that criminal law itself has become unmoored from our regular notions of culpability. We spoke following a forum on criminalization at the Cato Institute held yesterday. What would you tell those people who have not been personally affected by this? That if they're active uh, in their uh, professions uh, and if uh, they become known to a substantial number of people uh, and they interact with a substantial number of people, there's a good chance in their lifetimes that they will have some question raised uh, about the legality of their activities by some uh, agency of the federal government. Why do you say that? Because federal law is, is covering more and more areas of American life. Uh, each year, uh, more activities are being uh, deemed controlled by or affected by federal legislation. And as a result of that, the combination of the enormous growth of the federal government and the areas controlled by federal law and the increasingly vague federal criminal statutes and the vague interpretations of those statutes simply makes it, makes it statistically more likely that an adult today who's active in his or her field is going to come to the attention of federal investigators at some point. Who is William Hurwitz? Uh, a, a physician uh, in uh, Virginia who uh, has a, uh, a long history of treating uh, patients in a chronic and very uh, debilitating pain. It's a field, by the way, uh, which is uh, grossly um, undermanned. That is, there are uh, very few doctors who are willing to treat uh, patients with chronic pain problems precisely because the medical profession has a different view of appropriate treatments with uh, controlled narcotics than the federal drug warriors have. Uh, the federal drug warriors think that almost every accepted modality accepted by the medical profession uh, involves uh, overuse of uh, painkillers. And the federal government actually uh, controls, in that sense, um, this part of the medical profession uh, with its own view on appropriate treatments. Um, and as a result, people in chronic pain in this country are chronically undertreated with opiates and other pain-killing uh, controlled drugs. And it's because the drug warriors do not agree with the physicians as to how much painkiller to use in a particular case. What happened to Dr. Hurwitz? Uh, he was arrested, uh, it was just before uh, Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah in uh, 2003, and he was uh, charged with multiple violations uh, of the uh, Controlled Substances Act. Um, it was uh, enough to put him in prison for uh, for a life. Um, and um, <clears throat> he was a highly respected physician in his field, but obviously being respected by your peers uh, in the medical profession is not adequate if the drug warriors uh, think that you are a dispenser of uh, of drugs of in an illicit fashion. Um, and it takes a lot of courage, actually, to do what Hurwitz was doing, to be willing to treat the most intractable pain patients because the 
amount of drugs that you have to give a person who is in excruciating and constant pain uh, is more than the feds believe is reasonable, and they believe that you turn from being a, prof- a, a professional uh, into a, a basically a street dealer uh, of, of drugs. One of the most interesting parts of the Hurwitz case, which I write about in, in my book, Three Felonies a Day, uh, is that just about the time the case was perking along, getting ready for trial, the, um, uh, the, the, the medical profession, which had been in negotiations with the uh, department, uh, in order to try, with the Department of Justice, in order to try to come up with um, a, uh, an agreed a formulation for guiding physicians in the treatment of people with chronic pain. Uh, because after all, the physicians were very upset that they could not treat their patients the way their professional medical judgment dictated, but always had to be looking over their shoulders to make sure the narcs weren't looking over their shoulders. And um, they were on the verge of, for the first time, publishing a pamphlet of frequently asked questions, uh, frequently asked and frequently answered, where there would be an agreement between the government, drug regulators, and the uh, medical profession on what was reasonable, what was unreasonable, what the what, what, what the symptoms were of a situation where your client might be lying to you and asking for drugs to feed an addiction rather than to kill pain. They're on the verge of, of uh, agreeing to this, what's called the FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions pamphlet, when the criminal division of the Department of Justice forced the uh, government to take the FAQ off of its website because... If you read the FAQ pamphlet, you realize that Hurwitz was acting perfectly legally and professionally in how he was going about his medical treatments. And the Department of Justice criminal prosecutors did not want that pamphlet used as evidence of Hurwitz's good faith and appropriate um, treatment modality. And that just shows you the extent to which the drug warriors are in charge, not only of the government's position on the appropriate use of narcotics to treat pain, but are in charge and override the professional uh, the judgments of uh, private physicians. Just think about if you were in chronic pain as a result of some surgical, some surgery or some accident or other condition, just think about it, that your treatment modality is dictated by cops rather than by docs. Jumping a little bit to another subject, thinking back to the Martha Stewart case, that was when uh, it started out, according to prosecutors, as this is a case of insider trading. Yes. And uh, not too long later, prosecutors had were, instead of wagging their finger uh, saying that, they were wagging their finger saying, this is about lying to the FBI. Yes. You know why that happened, that switch? Because... The insider trading regulations are extraordinarily vague. Any time that the Congress or the SEC has had an opportunity to clarify the regulations, the prosecutors have urged them not to do so. And the reason, of course, is that the prosecutors like being able to use these laws to prosecute anybody 
that they think has engaged in some abusive stock trading transaction, even if it's not defined. And by having the statute vague and ill-defined, they're able to go after anybody that they want for any activity that they view as unsavory. And uh, so efforts to clarify the insider trading regulations have been an utter failure. Now, in the Martha Stewart case, remember the facts of the case, she had gotten the tip from her broker that the CEO of the company and the, the, the fellow who really started the company was, um, had ordered that all of his and his family shares be sold. Um, and the broker, uh, it was, of course, Merrill Lynch, it was the same brokerage house where Martha Stewart had her account. Um, nobody knew the reason that he had ordered the sale, but the broker figured, hmm, if the head guy is selling his and his family's stock, illegally, incidentally, that was clearly insider trading, then maybe uh, other shareholders would be uh, wise to follow suit, even though they didn't know, they didn't have any inside information about whether what happened at the company, what event was about to be announced that would justify dumping the stock. So Martha Stewart gave the broker the order to go ahead and sell her position uh, at a modest profit uh, because she just figured if he's selling, maybe I better sell. Now, that, in my view, in the view of many other securities lawyers, is not insider trading. Uh, but to the SEC and to the Department of Justice, they had a theory that they thought maybe it could be insider trading. So they investigated her. And she had the bad judgment to speak with them. She was ultimately indicted, not for the trading, because, as I said, that was not so clearly insider trading, probably wasn't. But she was indicted for lying to them because she came up with a story to justify her trade without telling them that she knew that the CEO had sold his stock. So she was, this is, by the way, typical. People who talk to their government nowadays uh, uh, get indicted because something they say can be shown to be uh, not quite truthful. There's a big divide between people who see over-criminalization, for example, people in chronic pain not being able to get the medicine they want, and on the other side, people who are very interested in making sure that uh, business activities are above board, that the rules are clear, et cetera, et cetera. There's an overlap uh, in, in those people who are concerned about overcriminalization, but broadly, these are fairly distinct groups, aren't they? Um, they're fairly distinct, but they're intertwined, and I'll tell you the reason I think they're intertwined. They're fairly distinct. The distinction is, I think, obvious. The people who are concerned about overcriminalization, they unfortunately understand the law. They, they see how many reasonably clear laws there are being enacted every day to cover yet additional areas of American life and commerce. They're very concerned about, about that. There's also an, there's some overlap with the Federalists, the people who are concerned, not so much that these areas are being legislated in, but that they're being legislated in by uh, the federal government because on the Constitution, federal government is supposed to have very limited powers. The states are fundamentally in charge of the police powers. And those state states' rights are being eroded. States' rights and obligations are being eroded by this increasing federalization um, of, of, of everything. Um, but my concern is 
uh, even a more fundamental, I think, a due process constitutional concern. And that is so many statutes are ununderstandable, indecipherable, uh, fatally vague. And the problem is they're too vague to give us citizens guidance as to what we may or may not do. But they're not considered to be too vague to justify a prosecution and a 20-year prison sentence. And when you are prosecuted for doing something that the government has not clearly said you couldn't do, then the criminal law becomes what I would call a trap for the unwary. The government can just go out there and pick out, because of the enormous volume of these vague laws, the government can pick out anybody it wants to get and find some felony that they've committed recently. That's a very dangerous uh, imbalance between government power and citizens' rights. Harvey Silverglate is author of the new book, Three Felonies a Day. You can watch or listen to the full forum at Cato.org.